Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello everyone, Charles Watts here. Welcome to another edition of Inside Arsenal. It is Tuesday. I hope you're all having a very good start to your week, wherever you're watching or listening to this around the world of ours. And I hope you're getting over now with disappointment of the weekend. I think I'll calm down a little bit. I apologise for yesterday's show. It was a little bit depressing, wasn't it? It was downbeat. I really tried hard for it not to be too downbeat because I'm sure no one wants to come in and sit listen to me waffle on for 20 odd minutes or so just uh talking in a negative fashion it was hard it was a disappointing defeat obviously at the weekend and um you know you've got to sort of analyze that in the way it was and what it meant and where Arsenal go from here but yes as lots of people have pointed out since yesterday it's far from a disaster and that's why I was asking the question yesterday really about you know, crisis time is, are we there yet? And I did say that I don't think we are. I think we would be approaching it if, you know, Arsenal come back from this little break and they don't immediately get back to winning ways, you know, very quickly the season could unravel from that point, that point onwards. But I don't think we're there yet. I think you're at that sort of tipping point at the moment where you could quickly get back on it and things could look a lot rosier or you could continue this sort of Poor runner results, and then suddenly the season, as I can said, could, as I said, could unravel very, very quickly. So yeah, it's going to be more of an upbeat discussion today. You've got plenty of questions and comments from you guys, of course, uh, which we'll discuss a little bit later on the show about that very topic as well, about where Arsenal are right now, and you know, is it just how bad is it? That sort of stuff. Uh, we'll talk about Dubai. Arsenal flying out today to Dubai um, for the start of their warm weather training camp. Be there for a week or so before coming back to get ready for that Crystal Palace game. So we'll look at what they're going to be doing while they're over there. Who has gone? Uh, and also, we're going to talk about Amadou Anana, who has been certainly in the headlines when it comes to Arsenal in the last 24 hours or so, with some very strong reports emerging from um, Belgium that Arsenal are uh, are looking, or more than looking, at the Everton midfielder, are in talks to sign the 
Everton midfielder. So we'll start with Anana, shall we? Um, which is a player who has been linked with Arsenal in the past. This is nothing new. You know, Anana's been fairly consistently mentioned alongside Arsenal, as well as other clubs for the past sort of 12 months or so uh, following his move to Everton. And big reports came out yesterday, sort of emerging from Belgium, uh, that Arsenal were in talks with Everton. I think they were described as intensive talks with Everton. And that's obviously generated an awful lot of excitement and discussion and um, debate on um, amongst Arsenal fans since then about the potential of a move for Anana, who's a very talented player, of course. Um, just 22 midfielder who is, you know, excellent at recoveries or winning the ball back at closing down. And, um, you know, he's a talented player. I remember sitting there watching Arsenal play against Everton. It was Sean Dyche's first game, actually, that 1-0 defeat there last season. And Anana was monstrous in that game. It was a fantastic performance for him. It was impossible not to be impressed watching him play that game. He really dominated Arsenal in midfield. Uh, clearly a hugely talented player. So, um you know, it's understandable to see him linked with Arsenal. But I, I, you know, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, if that's what you would call this, but I, I wouldn't be getting too excited about the prospects of this happening, certainly in January. Um, you know, as far as I'm aware, nothing has really changed in the stance that, that I've been taking and from what I've been hearing from conversations I've been having in terms of Arsenal is just not to expect too much to go on this month. And potentially, if things do happen in this month, um, that it might not be in you know the area where Anana plays, basically. So, I wouldn't be getting overly excited about it. I'm not going to sit here and rule it out. That'd be stupid of me. He's clearly a talented player, and I'm sure Arsenal are looking to um, to make some moves to bolster in midfield at some point. I'm sure Anana would probably be amongst the players they're looking at because he's such a talented player. Um, but yeah, in terms of this month, from what I'm from what I've been told that. Um, certainly the reports that we that have that come out about you know intensive talks and and all that sort of stuff it's not certainly not what what I'm hearing put it that way so um we'll have to wait and see obviously we're still early on in the window things can change like I said I would never sit here and rule, rule it out by any means but um I'm not sure it's as uh it's as concrete as certainly you might have thought yesterday by reading some of what what you were reading I mean plenty of you have got in touch uh, Dave here, Wallace says, what are your thoughts on the Anana links again? I think it's the last position we need to be covering party to come potentially back. Uh, we have Rice, Jorginho, of course, Elneny still on the books. It just doesn't make sense and would bloat the squad for an overpriced player we don't crucially need right now. I think priority is clearly right winger, striker and temporary defensive cover. He then talks about Saka and uh, Smith-Rowe and Kieran Tierney leaving, that sort of thing. And in terms of my thoughts on the links, like I said, I think he's a really good player. I do like Anana. I, I I can't get that performance out of, his, out of my head when I think of Anana. I just immediately think of that performance against Arsenal last year when he was so impressive and looked so dominant in that midfield. And when you say that, I don't think, it, when you say the midfield is maybe not an area, I agree right now, the pressing need this month, I don't think it needs necessarily to be in that position. Um, certainly in a more sort of deep lying midfield position anyway, because as you point out, Thomas Party, fingers crossed, is coming back soon. Mohamed Eleni will be back from Egypt duty soon, so we can cover that area. And of course, then you have Jorginho and, and Declan Rice as well. So there is areas that there is players there who can cover that position. And as long as everyone stays fit and as long as Thomas Partey, and that is a big if, then you're, you're pretty well stocked. When Arsenal, as we know, are kind of up against it when it comes to doing anything in the transfer market this month, I think there is a need for other 
priorities, whether that's being a more advanced midfield position, you know, potentially in that sort of left eight role, which I think still needs needs solving, maybe not for this month now. But, you know, a winger who I think, you know, an attacking winger, I think would be absolutely crucial for Arsenal, the, the striker that everyone wants, of course. And then you've got the left back, fullback issues as well. So I agree. Yeah, my thoughts on it are, as much as I do like him as a player, and I think he's a very talented player he's still very very young I don't look at him as a game changer I don't see him coming in this month and absolutely solving all Arsenal's issues and making them go back to you know really pushing for the league title I think there are other areas and like you point out that are probably more more important to fix right now at this stage of the season than in the uh in the Inanna position which again is why as far as I'm aware from the conversations I've had that it's kind of being told don't be too excited about uh, about these links that have come out with Anana, but we shall uh, we shall wait and see on that one. Okay, moving on to Dubai. Then Arsenal heading out to Dubai today. Some of them, some of the players actually went um, took advantage of having an extra couple of days. Went after the game at the weekend. The rest of those players are heading out there today. We know Mikel Arteta loves taking the squad to Dubai. They had options during this break. Um, you know they could have stayed at London Colney, could have continued to train here. There was the sort of slightly confusing um, aspect of a potential FA Cup replay with Liverpool to factor in as well, which would have had to be played next midweek on the Tuesday, I think, had that been the case. And Dubai might well have been cut short. Obviously, that is not the case now. Arsenal are out of that competition. And so this two-week period has been left completely clear. So Arsenal are going to Dubai. As I said, they're flying out today. The rest of the squad going out there. And it's what, you know, Mikel really does like this trip. It's why he keeps taking Arsenal back there. They can get away. It's a, he uses it not just as a training camp in terms of working the players. He uses it as a real sort of team squad bonding exercise as well that he's really liked and the players have really liked over the last couple of years. I remember when they came back the last couple of years speaking to some of them, you know, they all pointed out the sort of difference that it made and the impact it made and how it brought everyone together. And it kind of feels like this is a really good time of the season for it to happen for Arsenal because they need that sort of time together, I think, right now, just to reassess, as Mikel's called it, a reset, that sort of thing. Just get everyone together, calm everyone down a little bit, take them away from the the sort of spotlight that they're getting over here right now and just calm everyone down, bring everyone back together, maybe get a, f- a few home trues out in the air, that sort of thing, and just reset and then come back and be ready to go again. Um, some of the injured players are heading over with the squad. I think obviously there was reports I saw, you know, talk the Toys Party going over Urian Timber. That is the case. But don't get excited. Don't think there's something going to be joining in with the with the training and that means they're coming back. It's, it's not that. Mikel's taking the players over there because as much as a training exercise as this is, as I said, it's a real squad bonding exercise as well. So that's why he wants the injured players to go over there to continue their rehab over there rather than stay here on their own. He wants everyone as a group together to try and just use this week or so as a chance to really bring everyone back together and get everyone going again when they come back so yeah don't be too excited thinking that this means that Thomas Party is going to be back fit that um Urian Timber is suddenly going to be playing at left back against Crystal Palace after the international break or that it means that Gabriel Jesus is definitely fine with this knee injury which again all signs are at the moment what we've been said is that it isn't a bad one so hopefully he will be back soon and it won't be one that ends up keeping Jesus out for a long time but you know he's going over there uh, Fabio Vieira is going over there as far as I'm aware. Mikel's taking some academy players over there as well. Um, I'm not sure exactly how many academy players are going over there, but I've been told some are going over to add to the numbers there, you know, which would be a good thing, no doubt, for them. I remember speaking to people, who, some of the young players who have been out there for the last couple of years, and they really enjoyed it and thought it was a really good, worthwhile exercise. And you imagine it's going to be 
uh, Wanieri, Cozy Dubri, those sort of players who are in and around the first team. Lino Sosa, those sort of players will be heading over there, making up the numbers as well to um, for the squad. So, yeah, they're all looking forward to it. I know they're looking forward to it. And I think it could be a really important time for this squad just at the right time as well to um, just sort of, yeah, calm everyone down a little bit and uh, and go again. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Okay, we'll move on to some of your questions and comments now. I've got a few of these that I think are really interesting, going to add to a good bit of conversation today. There's one here from, uh, you didn't leave your name, you just said user P02CV90. S71 rolls off the tongue that one uh, it says hey Charles our lack of potency in front of goal has been much debated and discussed recently the eye test tells me that whilst we are shooting a lot I think we aren't creating many clear-cut chances I have no evidence to back this up though I was curious on your thoughts and if you could look into the stats behind it this is an interesting one I thought it certainly weren't worth a debate look I think it's it's undoubtedly in the last few games Arsenal haven't scored enough from the chances they've created. So you're talking about not creating clear, clear cut chances. They have done in recent games. You know, the XG from just these three matches, last three matches was six. You know, you create and and the average in a Premier League game XG, you know, for, so that's really good created chances, um, as in to score goals, is is probably about two per game. What's like the Liverpool game against Newcastle the other day, wasn't it? It was just the outlier. I think they had like an XG of over seven, which is just, you know, it's never been seen before. So no matter how, the chance, the good chances you create, your XG is still going to end up probably on average around two or just under per game. And Arsenal in the last three have created six. You know, it should have had an XG of six from the data, and that says the quality of chances has been good, but they just haven't scored enough. But and this is a crucial thing. Throughout the season, what you say here is correct. Really, they're not, you know, they're not creating huge amounts. So they haven't created massive amounts of chances throughout the season, and it's not like they're underperforming on you know a consistent basin this season when it comes to their chance creation there's a really good piece that's just come out I'll, I'll leave it in the um in the comments below actually sorry in the description below if you want to read it and it talks about it's i think it was from the analysts today from opta who have done a piece on arsenal and do they really need a new striker and they've gone they had a look at the data in terms of what they're averaging this season and um interestingly they're they're having when you talk about arsenal's chance creation they're actually having more shots this season than they were last season on average per Premier League game, which is a surprise. I think they're averaging 16.3 shots this season in the league, and they did they averaged 15.6 last season, which uh, I was surprised at. The XG per game is just a little bit lower 
than last season. So they're creating pretty much the same as what they did last season in terms of good chances. So last season's XG per game in the Premier League was 1.9. It's dropped to 1.86 this season. So it's not like they're creating significantly lower chances in their games in the Premier League this season. They're just not taking advantage of that and the chances that they are creating. And they were doing that last season. And um, you kind of look here at the forwards. I've put this piece together. This was taken from the piece, um, these stats here. Again, the description to the piece is below. It's really well worth a read. So please do click on it after you've watched this. And you look at the shot conversion from 2022 to 23 last season to this season's 23-24 campaign. You look at the strikers' shot com- um, conversion. The drop-off is clear. You know, Arsenal just aren't taking the opportunities that they were last season. Um, you know, Martinelli's shot conversion last season, 19%. Odegaard, 16.1%. Saka, 15.7%. Jesus, 143 And you kind of look at it this season, um, Martinelli's dropped to 6.1% conversion rate. Odegaard down to 103 Um, Saka's dropped from 15 to 12 You know, even, you know, Jesus has gone down to 9.4 from 14 You look at, you know, Eddie's has gone up. He's up to 15 from 9 Um and that's the difference, I think, this season. It's just that Arsenal aren't... It's not that they're creating loads more than they were last season or anything like that. It's not. And it's just that they're in front of goal. They're not taking the opportunity. So, um, yeah, I thought, it, I thought it was an interesting one. And uh, what was your name? Oh, you didn't leave your name, did you? Um, so you're saying the eye test is we, we are shooting a lot, but I think we're not creating clear-cut chances. It's about the same as last season, but I think the last three games... Have, have kind of swayed it a little bit because Arsenal have undoubtedly created plenty of good chances in the last few games that they just haven't taken. But in terms of the season as a whole, it's pretty much where we were last season uh, when you look at the uh, comparisons. Stephen here, this is in response to me talking about yesterday, is like, you know, are we at crisis time yet? He says, it's not a blip. Uh, sorry, it's a blip, not a crisis. A crisis is Man United. Two weeks ago, Arsenal were top of the league. Consider where this team was three or four years ago. To be in the situation with these players, fans would absolutely have taken it. The, there are difficulties to address. No doubt it is only viewed as a crisis relative to those elevated expectations. We have good players underperforming and Arteta made a mistake in undermining the spirit of the team and replacing Ramsdale. They have had a bad season, but it's no crisis. Imagine that a crisis season means fourth place. That's how far we've come in two seasons. This is kind of where I am, Stephen. And it's kind of what I said and discussed in yesterday's show. I wasn't ready to be in full-on panic mode. I'm not there yet uh, in terms of what this all means for Arsenal season, what this last two-week period means for Arsenal season. So, but they need to respond very, very quickly to this to make sure it is just a blip and it doesn't turn into a crisis because we're at that sort of tipping point now. I think with the falling five points behind in the league, being out of the FA Cup, you can't afford to let this run go on any further. You know, another one, certainly two games, you know, if you don't if you don't get back to winning ways quickly, then you're basically going to be staring at about a 10-point deficit in the league and and that's not what you want. Not when Arsenal had the ambitions that they had this season and the targets that they had this season. You know, if they finished second, third this year, it's not a disaster by any means. It's not what we all wanted. I think we all would have wanted them to win the title. We all had hopes that they might challenge for the title after last season, but it's very difficult. It is the Premier League at the end of the day. So if you end up finishing third in the Premier League, it's by no means a disaster by any means. But again, this is all down to the raised expectations, isn't it? You know, you talk about what it was like two, three years ago. Of course, that is the case. But Arsenal now, the expectations have risen. 
And that is because of what they did last season. It's because of also the standards that Mikel Arteta sets and he talks about. Now, he wants to be winning the title. So when the manager wants to be winning the title, when he talks about that, then we all have the expectation of them doing that. So uh, it's kind of a balancing act, isn't it, To in terms of being disappointed, but then also looking at the bigger picture about where Arsenal are right now. I mean, Alistair <laughs> responded, said, what are you on about, Charles? Apart from Fulham, the Christmas performances were excellent in all areas, apart from scoring. Obviously, that's critical, but our front five have done it before. And they can do it again. We've lost Timber and Party virtually all season. That's limited our unpredictability and ability to set up differently. City always were favourites for the season but no one has a young nucleus as good as Arsenal. The future's bright. Stop complaining. <laughs> I don't think I was complaining, Alistair. And I think what you, you say there is what I said in the video yesterday in yesterday's show. I said apart from, I, you know, I said the performances were good. I said it was impossible to sit here and analyse them and say it's not good performances. It was just the fact that they haven't been scoring. And that was frustrating. You know, I was frustrated. I was disappointed. But, you know, look, I'm not overly complaining. I just think you need to, this is football, isn't it? It's about analysing game by game. Yes, you look at it as a bigger picture, but also you look at what Arsenal's struggles are at the moment and it's pretty obvious it is scoring goals. And if you want to try and fix that and have the tools to fix that, but you can't, you have to look at why you can't. And that is going back to last season and the changes that were made Sorry, in the summer and the, uh, the decisions that the club made. You know, I'm not sitting here complaining overly about it. I'm just giving my thoughts on it all. But uh, But yeah, thanks for getting in touch. Um, oh, flick through one there. Mark here says, we really need to help the players start enjoying football again. The strain and stress of being top has made them stop smiling, which got me thinking a little bit. You know, I don't actually agree. I don't think, Mark, that the players, I mean, there's players have stopped smiling now, but they've stopped smiling. I don't think it's because they're not enjoying their football. They're just not enjoying the results. You know, they're elite, elite footballers who want to win the title. So they're obviously not smiling when they don't win the game. And they're certainly not smiling when they don't win three games and they lose all three of them and go out of the FA Cup as well as dropping off the pace in the league. That's what stopped them smiling. You, know, you go back to Anfield on December the 23rd or whatever it was at full time when they just won, drawn one all and a top of the Premier League at Christmas. They were all smiling then. You go back before that to when Declan Rice scored the winner at Luton and the celebrations on the pitch after, after the full-time whistle. They were all smiling then. So I don't think the players have lost their smile. I just think, Oh, I don't think there's any bigger picture to why the players have lost their smile and that they're not enjoying their football. I just don't think they're enjoying their results <laughs> at the moment. And I think Dubai, this trip to Dubai, is a big part of trying to find, you know, it's trying to calm everything down again. And like you said, that smile that maybe has been lost by these last three games, you know, they will find that again. They will come back. They've certainly done that in recent trips to Dubai. I know they've come back and been feeling really good about themselves and enjoyed the trip. And hopefully, fingers crossed, that can be the case again. Uh, Gorgon, I think he says, Charles, last season, Miguel and the club, uh, sorry, Mikel and the club did an amazing job cultivating a new culture and vibe at the Emirates. Is that vibe and energy still very present at the Emirates from the telly? It doesn't seem to have the same level of emotion. Is this accurate read or not? You know, lots of people have been talking about this. It's been an ongoing theme of the season. The vibe is definitely different at the Emirates this season. There's no doubt about it. I don't think it has been awful. The atmosphere, you know, some people have been talking about it. Oh, it's been awful. Yeah, I don't buy into that. I don't really agree with that. I've been at the Emirates and there's been some great atmospheres this season. I think at the moment, obviously, recent, you know, back-to-back defeats at home, it's not going to be, it's not going to be a carnival-like atmosphere um, after that. But I, there's definitely not, it's definitely dropped off from last season, but I think that was always going to happen. You know, last year, everyone was riding this emotional wave together last year everyone went into the season not expecting anything then suddenly it was like whoa we're in this we've got this young team who are 
just overperforming beyond all of our expectations. Suddenly we're going for the title and everyone was in it together. And it was just this unexpected joy of what we were seeing. And that obviously came out in the stadium and everyone was together and on the same page. And it's very rare you get things like that. And that was never going to continue, you know, on and on season after season because expectations changed. And what they did last season, suddenly everyone came to this season, not expecting, you know, expecting a title charge. And so it's just a very different feeling. You're coming here expecting to see them win every game and to chase Manchester City down. Last year, it was very, very different. And so I think that hasn't helped. I, I think the cutting the um, tickets for the Ashburton Army has absolutely had a big, big impact as well. The ballot system, which, you know, has been a consistent thorn of debate all season and, you know, how it's worked and what fans are getting tickets and who aren't and, and things like that. You know, everything is sort of combined. But I do think the main two features for me of why maybe the atmosphere and the vibe is a little bit different the this season, A, is the expectation levels. And it's just a very different feeling now to what it was last season. But B, I just think the Ashburton Army as well. I really do. I think if the Ashburton Army had the same numbers that they had last season in that area behind the goal in the clock end, I think the atmosphere would be really, really different because they do drive the atmosphere. There is no doubt about it, about it. I remember last year, at the end of last season, the Chelsea game, when the Ashburn Army staged a little walkout protest, whatever it was. And the atmosphere was completely different in the stadium. And as soon as they came back in after 30 minutes, whatever it was, bang, it changed again. They do drive the atmosphere. There is no doubt about it. And I think Arsenal slashing their tickets, slashing their numbers behind the goal was had a big detrimental effect on the atmosphere, I think, as well. But... That is a, that's my thought on it. But thank you very much for getting in touch and asking the question. All right, that's it for today's show. Thank you very much for watching or listening, everyone. I hope it was a slightly more upbeat one than uh, than yesterday. Certainly my tone of voice seems slightly happier than it was yesterday. Like I said, another I've had another 24 hours to get over the disappointment of what went on on, uh, on Sunday night. So thanks for watching. Thanks for your time. As always, everyone, I'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again. Stay safe. <laughs>